Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hey, and welcome back to OAC9 Radio with Appleweed and the Box. We're coming at you live on your drive down the 404, bringing all your favorites. Get that $2 hooker out here, because opinions are cheap and I'm loaded with them. I, I don't have the energy to respond to that in an appropriate way. I'm That's sorry. That's right, Chad. This is opinions are cheap. I really like that. I wish you had warned me. I <laughs> warned you for what? I didn't... Uh, I feel like that's like the, the the tagline of this show is I wish you had warned me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love doing radio voice. You ever do that? Not really. I so I I like to do these dumb voices. I'm not a good like I don't have a lot of range, but it's fun to do character voices. I feel like and I, I can <clears throat> I'll do them if I'm alone and I know like I, I I get so embarrassed by the thought of like acting or 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 Something like that, which is dumb because I do music stuff where I have to use my mouth to make noises. Uh, but I feel like I can cover that up with stuff. Like I, <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot more control over that uh, versus like being impromptu and uh, ad libbing and when <clears throat> whatever it is we do. Yeah, my anxieties I, don't make any sense. Well, I mean, anxieties don't. Mm-hmm. I think I. I think this is my review of Rise of Skywalker, and I think I said it on the show, but my my experience of the movie was after the movie on the drive home, I just kept making Emperor voices because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was that was what I took away from the movie, was, yeah, the Emperor's fun. I'm like, do it. I will be... Sh- what, what's the thing you do while you're driving? Oh. I will merge lanes. In my case, it's get stuck in my fucking driveway. I hate oh my yeah, car. did you have car problems? I had car, yeah, I've had like car problems a couple of times this week now. <laughs> On Tuesday, I, I was backing up and I got stuck in my driveway because my, my driveway curves a bit. And I didn't take the curve right and, and the plow had pushed snow in the end of it and it was just like, no traction anymore, have fun. So I had to carpool to work because my, my car was legitimately stuck. And then I almost got it stuck again this morning for... The same reason, but turning the wrong way. Like, before I was too far to the left, today I was too far to the right, but I was able to get the shovel and actually dig myself out. But then, to cement the fact that I am indeed a bad driver, went to the gas station for lunch today to grab a sandwich, and I pulled in wrong, and I frickin' hit the curb, and uh, got home, and I'm just like, man, that tire looks kind of flat. So I put air in it, and I was at 18 pounds. I was like, these are new tires, please tell me I did not fuck up a tire. I really don't want to have to throw a couple hundred dollars at a new tire. So we'll see what it looks like tomorrow. But my, my, my entire week has largely been just kind of like stupid shit shows like that that are mostly my fault, but also it's just like, why is life so hard this week? I don't I don't want it to be. I just want to go to bed. So when you go to the gas station, what's your go-to sandwich? Um, They have these spicy chicken ones that are pretty good. So it's like yeah. breaded chicken, uh, I think it's a Swiss cheese. Oh, Dude, we are like exactly on the same page there. I, you know, it's been like a while since we brought this up, but I want to take this moment to, um, to just to honor our sponsors, McMaster <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. They, they are so great. <laughs> I, I was looking at an item and I wanted to see what like an estimate for shipping would be. Mm-hmm. So I clicked like the next page and it just jumped to the order confirmation. Like there wasn't another step because it's so like efficient a system. Yep. And it's like, oh, no, I didn't want to order that. So I called him up real quick and said, hi, I just put in an order, but I need to cancel it. And he said, okay, um, are you Cameron? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, yeah, this one just came up two seconds ago. Is that for the this nut and bolt thing? And I'm like, yeah, that's the one. He's like, okay, I'll just cancel it for you. There you go. And I'm like, oh, thank you. It was the most efficient phone call I've had in my life. Yeah, like, I'm not exaggerating. Awesome. It, it was like within 60 seconds I wrapped up the, the whole thing. So our department has a new rule about McMaster Car that uh, we can only order from them once a week now because we've been getting too many like freight and shipping charges because we order from them so much and we 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 got like a stern lecture from receiving and accounting and now I have to twice a week go through all of this big spreadsheet of uh, UPS charges and like sign off on all the ones from my department because they're sick of doing it. So McMaster Car kind of got me in trouble at work because they're just so efficient. 
because we use yeah. them too much. But I I love doing bulk orders like that. I I kind of so mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been like you can you, email you know it to this. them. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. I, our system, um, when I put in a purchase order, it automatically like creates a PDF and will just email it to their accounting thing. Yep, yep. Ours does. So too. I don't even have to use the website anymore. I just like I want one of those, and I push a button, and it's like I just get an email from them saying it's on its way. Their their search functions on their site are so good too. Someone was like, I can't find this specific type of screw, and he was trying to type in all these things, and it's like, dude, just filter by screw, and then look at all the pictures until you find the one you want. He's like, oh yeah, it's like boom, trust. And the group. pictures are accurate. They are like they're like freaking like CAD drawings half the time, like all these dimensions and shit. Yeah, I, that site rules. Why aren't other? Why, why isn't any other website close to McMastercard? I don't know. I it blows my mind. Ah, uh, I ah. Uh. So it's no secret. I've been like crazy addicted to Space Station Thirteen. Yeah, you've been telling me some awesome stories. We we I swear to God, this weekend we have to try and play. I'm kind of busy this weekend, but like we should really block an hour out and and I want to I want to get involved. Oh, we can. I'll show you how to do it. We'll have fun. Um, but one of the jobs you do is literally like your job at work. Oh, really? Just like inventory? Yeah, like there's a cargo department Fuck, where you I just like. Be in that. You will receive orders like medical says, "Hey, we're gonna need more scalpels," mm-hmm. and so you 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 figure it out and the logistics and stuff, and you go to the computer terminal, you you approve the order, and you stamp the paperwork, you put that in a folder. The shuttle arrives with the stuff, so you have to decrate it. You make sure that it lines up with the packing receipt, and then you take the scalpels over to medical. And it's it's really fun because that's a lot of power, right? Because you can just you can cut people off. So if you're trying to do something like suspect, you can demand a trade. And there's a term for this where the cargo department stops being supportive and becomes a dictatorship known as Cargonia. (laughs) And a lot of times security and Cargonia will butt heads. (laughs) Because the other thing with cargo is you can just buy whatever you want. You don't actually need the approval. Oh, really? So if, if whoever's in charge of cargo approves it or if he's not around you can just order like a crate of guns and ammo and then put those in the back for later for later (laughs) as you do it's yeah it's kind of fun i i love the stuff you can do in this game i so i had this interesting experience where uh, i was a janitor and i walked by medical and there's a guy passed out in the waiting room and i'm like is this guy okay and I check his pulse, and no one's talking to me, and he doesn't have a pulse. So it's like, well, he's probably dying, or dead. Mm-hmm. So as janitor, I guess I should clean this up. <laughs> so I went over to, uh, I went, I went over to the back, and um, there's like a little like church, and so I hacked in there, and I went in the back, and there's coffin. So I dragged the coffin over to medical, and I put the guy in the coffin. And he said, "No, no, I'm, I'm, just, I just, I need medicine. I'm not dead yet." And I closed the coffin and I drug it away, and no one stopped me. <laughs> so you just killed him. Well, <laughs> it gets a little better. I took him over to the to the um the the airlock, and I put the coffin in the airlock. And he's like, "No, no, no, <laughs> I, no, don't do this." <laughs> I was like, "No, no, I'm, I gotta clean this up." So I pushed the button. I thought that it would cycle the room out, but it just opened all the airlocks. So it sucked both of us out. Nice. So I'm so my body's like flying out into space with this coffin. And the coffin guy is like like, okay, why did you do that? And I said, Well, this is a real pickle, and then my head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love this game so much. I just I I I see the people in, in receiving so basically cargo where they uncrate things and it you know get them to the other departments every day and it's just like the idea of calling them Cargonia now uh, uh, pleases me. Oh, you should. You could totally do that. Oh, th- there was another round where I'm following the clown around and the clown had managed to hack into the scientific like R&D department and he got into the virology department. And it's like, that sounds dangerous. Yeah. So I, I went over to security 
and I go over to security and no one's there. So I got a piece of paper and I'm writing a note on there. It said, dear security, I saw the clown hacking into virology. Um, please do something. Now, just then a security officer walks by and they see me in my janitor uniform and like, why aren't you doing your job? Don't you have messes to clean up? And I put the paper on the thing and he said, what now? And he took the paper and he's like, oh, okay. And then I, and then I did a thing where I like, I put my finger, my nose and I winked and I said, the crow caused at midnight (laughs) and he said, get back to work. And then like two minutes later, I'm like mopping somewhere. And there's an intercom warning. This is, attention everyone, the clown got into virology and rubbed himself in all of the viruses, and he's going around hugging people. Please <laughs> avoid the clown. <laughs> <laughs> and that was followed by, uh, like, audible screams. And somebody said, I'm shaking. I can't stop shaking. What's happening to me? And someone else said, I need to make a lot of antiviruses. Everyone that's sick, come to medical so I can get a sample, because I don't have no idea what to cure you for. And then someone else said, do not go to medical. I might explode and kill everyone else. And I was like, okay. And it just the whole round like spiraled out of <laughs> That's awesome. It was it was fun. I like how people so, seem yeah, to really we'll get like into this game and their roles. Like if like the security guy's bossing you around, like he doesn't need to do that. You're playing a video game. It's it's weird and it some of it's like work. Like it's funny, but the um there are some servers where they take it, the, like the roleplay element really serious. So it's like there is a format to filling out a cargo request form. And if you don't do it right, then you get deprioritized. Okay. And it's like, it's interesting that this is how people spend their time because it's like, it's a game. So you have to find a server that hits the sweet spot for your own personal taste. Some people want a lot of structure and some people just want what if everyone was clowns. Sure. And there's like a happy medium between the two. Yeah, I, like I don't know how seriously I would take it. Like I like the idea of working in cargo, but my priority would mostly be like is it a cool thing you ordered? If that gets through first and if I don't steal it, it goes to where it needs to, you know, like cuz the game is it seems like it really thrives on chaos, so you might as well join in. You know, yeah. There's a little bit of that. It's um, like the the point is there's usually a traitor, so it's like you have to be suspicious of people because someone like quote unquote wins the game by destroying everything else. Okay. So it's like functionally everyone has to do their job, but you have to be suspicious of everyone. And I remember once um, I like I broke my foot somehow. And so I went to medical, and the, the surgeon said, oh, I can fix that. <clears throat> and he took me into the operating room, and he he put me on the bed, but he did not give me an anesthetic. Anesthetic, sorry. Um, And he's, like, working on my foot. And it's like, I, okay, this is killing me. <laughs> like, the pain is way too much. And I can't do anything about it because I'm in so much pain. Mm. And then the nurse walked in, and I said, doctor, what are you doing? That person's screaming. And so, yeah, I'm fixing their foot. It's like, yeah, but why didn't you use an anesthetic? It's like, because I'm almost done. <laughs> and it was like, I couldn't tell, is this person going to kill me? Or is he just do, are they just doing this to be funny? Sure. And it, and then they ended up like, they, they fixed up my foot. And then they gave me some like some happy pills. And I said, what do the happy pills do? And they said, they make you sad, stupid. And then they locked me outside. And it's like, I think that person's just doing a bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I don't think he's the traitor. And I got extra happy pills. So I'm just going to lock myself in the janitor's office for a while and eat all these happy pills. <laughs> yeah, the game sounds, it sounds like something I think I would enjoy. And then it's free. So if you don't enjoy it, then I guess you're out, you know, an hour. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a learning curve just because mechanically it's so clunky. Sure. But honestly... Like you could, you could probably have a lot of fun being the barkeeper. Oh, that uh, there would be a some, lot of fun. Yeah, there, there are some interesting drinks. Like you can mix a lot of drinks, but there are some funny ones. I had, I had one that was just a cup of Joe, and it's uh, like you can make coffee, but this one was literally labeled as a cup of Joe. Did Joe and die? You, <clears throat> what? Did someone named Joe get killed and turned into coffee? No, because you can do that with hamburgers. Oh, God. So I imagined, oh, someone named Joe died, and this is a joke. Mm-hmm. But I drank one, and then the screen went black and white. But not all black and white. Like, I, I could still see red. 
And so it's like, what's going on? And then this like, uh, <laughs> this um, this kind of like f- detective film noir music started playing. And then I I examined the cup of Joe. And normally when you examine an object, it gives you like a sentence describing what it is. This one was like the introduction to a detective novel. Oh well. Where it's like you walk in and saw the thing, and that it was like any other day on the space station. But somehow you knew something was up, and, and like it writes up this whole thing while this like smooth jazz music is playing in the background, and everything's black and white, like it's all grayscale. And I'm walking around the station, and then I saw some like some bloody footprints, and it's like, well, I guess I'm officially a detective now, so I'll follow these bloody footprints. I'm I'm really surprised that, and I know Joe's talked about this too. Just like the how they must have must have made this game, the the amount of choices like the, that are in it, the things you can do, it it really blows my mind because it to me it seems like it'd be really hard. I know he he talked about he used a bunch of programming terms that to him made sense, and maybe there is a way to kind of simplify and and structure this where it's everything's kind of in packets and and it allows for variables or whatever. But to me, I'm just like. You know, this item seems like it's, it's very specific to do one thing, and you might not find it, you know, in a hundred games, but it's there. And it, that that attention to detail for for something that is largely made to be stupid <laughs> is uh is cool, but uh, I don't know, it's just really impressive. It really is. Um, it it makes more sense if you reverse engineer the history of it. Uh, I got a video I could recommend you watch, but the short of it is um. Space Station 13 originated as a game that was just supposed to simulate um, oxygen environments. Huh. So the the idea is you're an astronaut on a space station, and there are rooms, <clears throat> and you can like airtight seal the rooms off. And the idea is you want to make sure all the rooms are breathable. And you're given chemicals, and you can mix the chemicals, and it it just, the whole thing simulates how things mix in the air. So how much of blank is in there? How much of blank is in there? And that's derivative of the liquid chemicals that you're mixing to release into the atmosphere. So somebody stole this code and said, I'm going to make a fun game because this is stupid. Oh, wow. And they they took that code because Beyond is not very secure, so you can just do this. Um, they They took that code and they built on more jobs. So it's like, okay, the scientist does the air stuff. But using the same chemical thing, what if there were diseases and there was like a medical office? So there's diseases and they're countered by certain chemical combinations. And then someone else said, this is really hard. Can you make like a learning version or an easy version? And it's like, okay, you know what? A chef. There's a chef that, okay, you know what? There's a hunger meter. You get hungry, so you have to eat food. So the chef can practice the mechanics of mixing things. Because the recipe is going to be like four units meat, two units bun, and then it makes a hamburger. Mechanically, so, that translates into the chemicals. Okay. But it's like a learning stage of it. So really, and then there's someone like this else is base like, part that they're just using over and over and over again in really creative ways. Yeah, but it's also a community thing where like thousands of people have contributed to this code. Oh, wow. One person will, like, get into the code, and they're like, oh, you know what? There's so many recipes. I'm going to make drinks. There should be a whole, like, bartending system. Mm-hmm. I'm going to program a bunch of drinks. And someone else says, okay, you programmed all the drinks, but they're just colored glasses. I'm going to put in sprite art, so if you make a margarita, it looks like a margarita with a little lime in it. And then someone else said, I'm a furry, so I'm going to ruin the game for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize just this kept- was such a community-driven thing. Like a well, it's been going shit. for like twelve years. Oh wow! Um, it's just it, because of that, it's very overwhelming to just jump in. Sure. So I like literally, I I can't wait to show this game to you, but I want you to watch a video before <laughs> like you bother. Okay, that makes sense. I figure whatever we do, we'll be in you know a Discord chat or something and and talking. And I know that kind of defeats the purpose of the game, which we talked about a week or two ago, but. Well, I, I mean, as long as we don't share information, I want to be there to tell you, like, what to click on. Yeah. Because, like, it took me, without help, I'm not I'm not kidding, it took me half an hour to learn how to smoke a cigarette. Oh, wow. Because I set my character to start with a pack of cigarettes um, and a matchbox. And it's <laughs> it's cumbersome because you have two hands. So you have to, in one hand, you grab the cigarette box... With your other hand, you open the cigarette box, 
then you reach into the cigarette box to pull out a cigarette, and then you equip the cigarette ha- into your hand. Jesus, this is like some like quab shit where you're a you little know, those bit weird physics games. Some of it gets weird. You put the cigarette box box away. You pull out the matches. Put the cigarette in your mouth. Now open the matchbox. Now pull out the match. Now strike the match on the box while it's lit. Put the box away. Take the cigarette out of your mouth and then light it. And then if you click on yourself, you'll like you'll puff it once, or you can equip the cigarette and just keep smoking. I'm so because you think like in a normal game you would just click on the thing in your inventory and like double click it and it would work, right? Like right. That's all you'd have to do, not this like crazy. But I suppose if it's based on this like chemical system, that's the forefront of the game. Like everything's probably tied to that code, and you have to follow these steps. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Right. So learning how to smoke a cigarette is training for how you can become an electrical engineer because you're going to have to juggle these different tools if you want to hack into a, a, a box, you know? Okay. Because you're going to be in a situation where maybe HAL 9000 went rogue and he cut out the air and your air tank is low, so you have to go over to the door, use your screwdriver to pry open the door. This is while you're wearing insulated gloves because you can get electrocuted at any of these steps. Oh, God. Um. Then you, you put the screwdriver away... You take out the analyzer to test all the different color wires. You pick which wires you want to cut. You use the wire cutters to cut those. Um, but you have to make sure you either disable the power or trick the power to jettison it open. But it's easier to just disable power. You, you put your stuff away, then you get out your crowbar, and then you pry the door open. And it's like, mechanically, it's the same as lighting that cigarette. Jesus, that sounds really and- frustrating. So it's it's weird because you have to like you have to practice and learn it. Like it's not intuitive or easy. But once you have that down, every like surgery becomes easy. Okay. You know what I mean? So like is like a starting position like cargo guy or janitor is probably pretty good cuz you have a lot less complicated things at your disposal. And also like less responsibility. Yeah. Like you could be a chemist but you're going to get, like, orders from five people at once, and maybe one of them is asking for something they shouldn't have. Because, like, the number one rule is if the clown got space lube, execute the chemist. <laughs> Jeez. Because they were not doing their job, and now the entire station has been lubed. <laughs> Everybody's slipping around. I yeah, There was a great... <laughs> Did you watch the uh, Seth Teasnack video? Yeah. Where they, they lubed the entire hallway and then hacked the airlock open. And then they, like, called for security. And they said, security, come quick. The clown's hacking the airlock. And then security comes running and they slip down the entire hallway and just right out into space. Yeah. While the clown's standing there honking his horn. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I, I am, like, a little just... There's something daunting about like what it's going to take to learn how to play this, um, especially if I wind up not really liking it. But I, I do want to give it a try. And it this this these conversations and then looking at some of these videos, people playing this, I like science fiction. I wish I liked it more, maybe or, or read or ex- watched just better sci-fi. But there's a certain level of like the uh, the slice of life, but like on a space station, or slice of life, but like really far in the future, like not nothing crazy needs to go on it's just like how does a cargo guy do his job on a space station versus how does he do it where i work you know like the amount of uh, extra skills you would need to unload a, a fucking space shuttle and things you'd have to learn just learn how to do as far as like safety because if something went wrong everyone's out the fucking airlock and they're dead and like that right. added you know like i just like i recently rewatched prometheus and like that movie is great, but it's also, like, about this specific thing, and, like, the minutiae of, like, being in space isn't really there until it's brought up, like, one time and they remove their helmets because, like, oh, look, they terraformed this, we can breathe this. And then people got really pissed off at that for reasons. But I thought it was kind of cool because it's just, like, reminding you that, like, you know, the of some of the different sci-fi things that can go on. Like, I don't know, I, I write all these short stories, and I'm just like, I'd like to do some more sci-fi ones, but I don't know how I would even approach them. And if I'm trying to do, like, slice of life stuff, like, there still has to be a conflict or, or whatever. I I'm I love the job of janitor. And it's so... It, it's almost relaxing. Like, it reminds me of um of Animal Crossing, almost. Sure. Where it's like, oh, someone, someone had a bag of chips, and they just left the bag there. So I'll just... I'll pick it up. 
and I'll walk around. Oh, there's a trash can. I'll put it in there. Like it's so low pressure. I don't. I don't think there's ever a situation where the janitor is like quote unquote needed. Mm. Um, if lights go out, you you can very quickly replace them. So, like there might be a power surge and all the bulbs just burst. And it's like if people don't have flashlights equipped, it's gonna be hard for them to do their job. Mm. So it's like I get to feel important for a little bit. Sure. But it's never like, oh no, I didn't replace the bulbs fast enough, therefore everyone died. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's a low-pressure version that you can learn the game with. There's a certain level of, like, you're, you're part of the chaos, but you're not, like, integral to it, and so you get to kind of appreciate it from afar. And, like, no one's gonna go kill the janitor first, right? Like, <laughs> if you're in, on the security team and someone's trying to get into mischief, you're a prime target because you have a gun and you can stop him. Yeah. And it, there's a couple jobs that feel like they're just there for roleplay. Like, the clown is, is antagonistic, but you can also be, um, like, a librarian or a chaplain. Oh, I want to be a librarian. And Yeah, and, and even the bartender. Like, the bartender isn't important because, like, with the, with the chef, you, you need to eat food because you'll get hungry. Mm-hmm. I, there's not really a meter that says you have to drink. So that's more of like for funsies, but it lets you learn the system. Sure. But I thought that the well, it's also fun if you're a trader because you can like figure out ways to poison the drinks, but then also <laughs> make sure that they don't realize it's just you doing it. Um. But I remember thinking like the chaplain, like what's the point of having the chaplain? Like that's even that seems less relevant than the librarian mm-hmm. until the round where vampires attacked. And then the chaplain came by and handed me a vial of holy water and said, "Just th- you know, I've been making holy water. Pass these out, and if you see a vampire, just throw it on him." And I realized, oh wait, that's actually important. <laughs> so, are the vampires like uh, people controlled, or are they like AI controlled monsters running um, around? There are both. On the server I'm playing, it's an it's a person role. Okay, but I think on the server I'm playing, the xenomorphs are AI controlled. Isn't there like a necromancer role? Um, there's like a cultist. I think they might have necromancy powers. Uh, there is a wizard, and there are different wizard spells you can learn. There's also a danger of uh, sometimes you get a game mode called Wizard Civil War, where there are rival factions of wizards. Oh no! And they just happen to meet up on the space station, so it's up to you to not die in the crossfire. Sure. And it's like this is a a hook for a story. Oh, for sure. You know, it's not just like this is a fun game mode. It's like what? I'm I'm always like on the hunt for things that I can do short stories on because like every I do two a month at this point, and ideas are pretty cheap. So it's like okay, now you got to start finding like the good ideas. Like the last one I did went over pretty well, and like I won the challenge, which was cool. Uh, but it was something that I think kind of just I will. The whole Iran, we might go to a war with them. And I was like, oh, what would it be like if there was just, like, nukes all over and everything was glass? I was like, oh, there's a hook for a story. <laughs> a setting. Um, but I'm also kind of, like, feeling I should, you know, cleanse the palate and do something more fun. And so, like, hearing about the Space Station 13 stuff, I'm just like, oh, what would be, like, a fun, stupid sci-fi thing? Just, like, on board a space station. So I saw a great screenshot where uh, somebody... Somebody got some mutagen and they put it in botany, and the botanist was just adding it to all the vegetables to see what would happen. Apparently, they walked away without watching what would happen. Oh no! And about thirty um, rebellious mushroom men had grown and threatened to take over the station. And it's like, who would have thought to program this? Like, this is so—I would have never imagined this is a result. Like that right there is the beginning to. A story, right? It's like, okay, you're on a space yeah. station. A, the botanist is playing with stuff he shouldn't. He grew mushroom men, and they're just like, oh, Bob, what what the fuck do we do with this? Are they poisoned? Like, like, you know, and then just going from there. And it doesn't even need to get like, you know, oh, we lube the hallway crazy, but like that right there is a hook for a 2,000 word story that I could probably bang out in like an hour and a half. Oh, I got a nasty botanist once. He was... He planned this out well. He got these illegal vines and then applied a mutagen to them. Because apparently he went to the chemist and said, Hey, I want to make super corn. 
so we can have super meatloaf. And the chemist said, mmm, my favorite, and gave him the mutagen. Oh, no. And so he applied it to these vines. And while the vines were growing, and it looked fine, he was apparently in the back, and he was hacking the doors with a little device that he could control remotely. And using that device, he could open all the airlock doors. And somehow, this is partially luck, but a lot of it was skill. He's hiding in the bathroom. And then we get an alert that we're passing through a phasma cloud. Or plasma cloud. And so there's like this deadly plasma. So it's like, don't go outside. If you're out mining, come inside. Um, Stay away from windows. He opens the airlock. So the northern maintenance shaft completely fills the plasma. The plasma is poisonous and also highly flammable. And it's like, well, that's that's bad, but no one goes into the maintenance area. Like, there's just like the crawl space that, you know, connects some of the back rooms. So no one notices this for a while. The vines keep growing until they completely fill out, uh, like, the whole botany room. Security notices, and they said, where's the botanist? These vines are out of control. I hear glass shattering, and the vines broke through the windows and actually, like, exploded out and filled the hallway, which is positioned in just the right way where this blocks the entry to the, to the uh, uh, emergency shuttle. Oh, no. So the only way to get through is to use the, uh, the maintenance tunnels, right? Mm-hmm. Someone goes to the north tunnels and is like, the north tunnels are full of plasma. Ah! Don't go north, go south. So everyone's going south, and then the vines break through a wall and start all that plasma starts flooding into the rest of the station. And it's pushing everyone away from the emergency thing. So everyone's like scrambling to get like protective suits or something and try to make it to the escape shuttle. And people are going to like the south uh, chambers to like dig through that way. And it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? And then (laughs) the botanist was down there waiting for everybody. Because they had a turbocharged wheelchair, and they blasted through and ran over, like, 12 people. (laughs) They, like, calculated this out. Wow. It was unreal. Like, afterwards, everybody was like, that was the best botanist traitor I've ever seen. I I like that idea, right? Like, he kills everybody, and they're just like, wow, that guy did a really good job being the bad guy. Like, the appreciation for it is cool. I'll be honest, I might use that, that... botany thing is a hook for my next story. So I can already like start picturing it. Like It starts off, and the botanist has done an experiment on a plant, and, they're, and it's... I don't know what the plant is, but something bad has happened to it. And they're just like, well, what is this? What did you do? He's like, I don't know. It, you know. I was just fucking around. We'll, we'll worry about it later. I turn the lights off. And it turns out like... Because the, the theme of the challenge is nocturnal. So like with the lights off, it gets bigger. Or it gets worse. And so now it becomes this thing where like you have to keep all the lights on. Um... Or the, or the monsters are going to keep spreading and, you know, just completely get all over the place and kill everybody on the space station. And so then the monster's taking the lights out. And so now it's all a very kind of standard horror story, right? Where, like, you're looking, you're trying to stay in the light so you can see, but also because that's where, the you know, the, the monster can't get you. And I feel like there's something there, but maybe we would want more words than 2,000. We'll see. I, I might try messing with that this weekend. No reason a short story can't become a longer story later. No, no, that 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 most of them want to become longer stories, which is the oh, yeah, that, that could be fun. Yeah, I think I think that could be cool, and I like the idea of doing something on a space station like this. I think that would be a fun setting to play with. Um, we've spent like the last fifteen minutes talking about Space Station Thirteen, which is a game I've never played, so that's funny. Uh. First, we first it was McMaster Car, then it was this. Do we want to move on to something else? I don't, I don't know how we want to keep going with this. We can. You sent um, some, you sent some funny things that kind of have to do with technology and and whatnot that maybe we could get into. Like what? So these these French postcards from 1910 depicting the year 2000. Oh, that's right. I wanted to look at those a little closer with you. Now these are delightful little postcards that were penned in 1910. And they're all, uh, it's like, in the year 2000, this will happen. And I, I really love the art, but what was interesting is that the concepts are mostly 
they're they're not that far off. No, they're not. Which <laughs> oddly is, enough, which is really kind of eerie. Like I'm looking at the first one, and it's uh, it looks like students. They're sitting at desks. They have like headphones on that are connected to these wires. And then there's a teacher just like it looks like they're shredding <laughs> books. And I'm guessing the books are going you know into the students' heads. It seems like the like there's wires and stuff hooked up to them. Yeah, and and just like the like. We have audiobooks, like, that's a thing. Like, you can literally take books and beam them into your ears like that. But just the way the internet works and how much we learn through the internet, the idea of, you know, you don't have the physical book there, but you have PDFs, you have articles, you have newspapers, and, and all of this stuff that just, you can just shove into your, your eyes and your face. Like, the, the difference is, is there's a teacher curating this. With the internet, there's just nobody curating it other than, like, Google algorithms and but this is still this is a school system, and even in school systems, there are like audio programs mm-hmm. and part of the curriculum and everything. Um, it yeah, it's it's very interesting. I love the idea that there's like <laughs> it's the year two thousand, and the dunce has to crank the bookatron. <laughs> He's got like a hand crank pump. You know, it's not like plugged into a network of power. Right. That's the one thing that I find like the most outlandish here. <laughs> Uh, then the other one is uh, it looks like some kind of assembly line that they're building well, a house. It's a it's an architect. Yeah. There's a there's a little um there's a little chamber labeled architect, and there's a man there. He's got the blueprints, and he's got a console with buttons on it, and that's hooked up to a series of machines that are building the house for him. So this is literally a wage slave in his wage cave or cage. And while the robots are working, this one's cool because we're not actually at this point yet. Like this is still like in the future where we're trusting robots oh. to build full houses. Like, well, I mean, maybe maybe the house itself, but there's a lot of other applications where we're just using machines. To, oh yeah, cars and stuff to do the work. Is a yeah, huge assembly line thing with robot arms moving shit around. I mean, we have a robot arm at our work, and we screen print right, so they're they're finding their ways into places. My my favorite thing is the one, the the the, the structure of this one arm that's going up and down carrying well, it looks like bricks, is it, it reminds me of a guillotine, and it's like because it's French, right? Like a French postcard. So I immediately thought it was like, oh, they they're taking like the guillotine design, <laughs> and turning it into a <laughs> robot that builds things instead of cuts off heads. That is a fun. That's a fun little uh, observation to tie that in with the the design there. Then uh. Click next. The next one looks like it's just like a, I guess, a high speed train. Yeah, this one. I'm not sure what they're really selling here. Um, it's it's a little fanciful that the train is up on this like track where the wheels are like elevating it up, like they're tiny wheels on long legs. So you have to like walk up a, a small flight of stairs. I don't know if the idea was that that makes it more aerodynamic and faster. Like it's not selling the speed here. Yeah. Um, I think the what's accurate is this was in France, right? Mm-hmm. So front and center, there's a Chinaman right there, and he's not like arrested or anything. <laughs> so they kind of nailed, you know, two thousand. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. The the next one, I'm guessing this is supposed to be some kind of like. This is Skype. Yeah, the, he's talking. He's got a, a he's an old fashioned was like gramophone for for the audio. And then there's like a light projecting a person, and he's got a very large microphone thing that also looks kind of like a gramophone. And there's, it takes two people, I guess, to run this to, to to chat, but it is largely like video chat. I mean, there's basically the technical professional that operates the machinery. Like this is probably at the Skype headquarters. Yeah. Um, and this guy goes there and says, "I would like to call up Dolores, my love." And say, like, "Okay." And so they they hook up the the, the telephone system to a video system that's basically a projector that will transmit information the same way that we can transmit uh, sound over phone lines and basically sync it up so that you can, like, project it onto a screen there. And it's like, my word, Dolores, my love, you're right there before my eyes. What? It's funny because if he took his dick out, the other guy would see it. I'm sorry, what? If he took his dick out, the other guy would see it. Oh yeah, that would. I I bet they they would eventually develop like a screen that you put between the operator and the user. Mm-hmm. But this one's this one's cool because like, this this is largely what we have. It's just way smaller. 
but it's also what an out there idea like to the idea that you could call someone it's it's not enough that we can hear them you want to see them too yeah like this is this is a bold claim that like by the year 2000 we'll have skype and it will become pre-installed on all windows 10 computers the next set look like i don't know it looks like everybody's got custom airplanes maybe the top one this one guy's in a wingsuit Looks like a Batman villain. I think he's a oh he's an air traffic controller. Like he's yeah he's got a little he's, he's got a, a baton. He's there. like directing the airplanes like they're cars. Yeah, basically like cars will become airplanes. We'll have flying cars. What's funny with this is like the Flintstones or not the Flintstones the Jetsons. I mean this is basically the Jetsons, but many years prior. Yeah, actually, and it's very cute. I don't think I've ever seen this particular concept. Um, but I kind of like the look of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's highly impractical with how we understand how like flying works. But the concept is there. I mean, people still talk about getting flying cars. So yeah, it, it, this is still like a pipe dream. It's just the the aesthetic of it has changed. Yeah, this one's like refreshingly unique. And then the the next two look like military applications. Uh, the ones like a, a, a motorcycle with. Almost like a riot shield and a minigun attached to it. Yeah, that's literally what they are. And I find that interesting because I feel like with these in particular, the concept isn't so futuristic. It's like, you guys could just make this now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if the idea here is that, like, well, motorcycles will catch on or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I like how they I'm have, like, sure. swords through their belts yet, too. Like, yeah. But I, I don't know if these will be like I guess like something like dirt bikes where like because the terrain they're on is definitely not like a road road like it's it's not paved or anything it looks pretty sketchy so maybe that's kind of what they're selling is like not only do we have like we have like these tiny tank bikes but they can go anywhere oh like off road sturdy kind of thing yeah I'm wondering if that's the case here I don't know when the first tank was invented right the first tanks I think they were actually invented and implemented in World War One. Um, 1916 is what Google just told me. Yeah, tanks in World War One. But those ones didn't work. Like by far, they they killed more um, tank operators than any targets. Oh really? Yeah they they were they were a concept, and it's like well trial by trial by fire, and then somebody like melted in them, and it's like well no you're supposed to catch on fire Johnny fire. Mm-hmm. Because the one below it then is basically like more tanks, only these look like they're three and four wheeled vehicles. Yeah, this is basically like motor cars that are, they're not only armored with like mounted guns, but they also seem designed to intentionally ram because there's like a pointed front and the one's like jutting into the red one there. Um, And it's, it's interesting that like you pointed out the swords on the bikes, it's kind of like warfare would still be like up close and personal. Yeah. So they've got like a minigun strapped on there, but it's like, let's get into ramming speed. I like how they have like a spare tire on the back. Yeah. Just in case one of the wire the <laughs> tires goes out. It's great. I love the aesthetic of this though. Like I could definitely see this as like a comic book or a video game. And it's kind of weird and far fetched, but it's super uh charming and, and just like unique. Like I would love to play a racing game where all the cars look like this, and there's like you have a pit crew of three people, and one of them's got a gun, one of them's on a minigun, and they're like you're driving and trying to ram. Like you could well, do you an know, interesting co-op thing with that. This is very much what I wanted to see more of with uh, Bioshock Infinite. Oh yeah. And I feel like there was room for these like quirky inventions, but they don't lean into it enough. Because there's a lot of very quirky, old-timey, like fanciful. Almost like Jules Verne style science fiction stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Songbird. Like Songbird should not fly. He has this like really dumb wings that are not going to be enough to carry a whole metal robot. Right. But that's so charming. Like I really love Songbird's design. I think that's like the fun of steampunk and diesel punk, right? Where like the design work is clearly not like aerodynamic, and it doesn't make sense from a physics standpoint, but it it looks cool, and you're just like this. It's just fanciful. Yeah. I love these. I, if postcards were still a thing, I would like buy a set of these. Like, yeah, these are really neat. Productions. I wish there was more. I enjoyed talking about them. I was like, oh shit, that was the last one. <laughs> yeah, the, but they're delightful. I, I can't get over the Skype one because it's so on the nose. 
like I'm I'm blur- I'm reading Twitter right now. You know, it's like I'm scrolling and it's like right here. There's a guy just talking into his rectangle, and I, it's as if I'm in his bed with him right now. Oh well, that one guy with the the books is pretty much sums up podcasts, and it's like yeah, that is, that's kind of true. Like you're taking not ours, but you know, smart ones, taking a, a smart or a subject and transmitting it to a bunch of different people. Yeah, no, that that's literally what that is. Um, I mean, audiobooks are probably better than our podcast. Yeah, but the the proof of concept is totally there. I I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I feel like do we do enough thinking about like what's it going to be like in the year three thousand? Because when I try to do that, it's more like oh, I bet it's a glass hellscape because we've nuked ourselves into oblivion by then. I don't really have like this level of uh. Uh, optimism, I guess, for the future anymore. Well, yeah, see, there used to be a time where looking forward was about optimism, and it's not that cynicism wasn't there. It's that there was room for optimism. Now, I feel like most people don't actually... uh, uh, Are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes. So, I feel like when, when... Stuff like these, uh, in 1910, when these delightful postcards were drawn, people were, like, mid to low on the pyramid there. Mm-hmm. They had, like, concerns, you know, it's like, they, had, they they have, like, very real, um, issues. Like, it's very hard to get a job, and if you don't get a job, you're gonna starve to death. Right. And now, it's like, I can't get a job, and or I don't feel like working, and the government will give me a check. Which doesn't necessarily inspire the same. In the future, the government will keep giving me my damn check. Well, There's... to me, the the big difference between then and, and now is that I don't think we did, they didn't have the atom bomb then, and I don't know if they could conceive the atom bomb. Right, like the all of this fanciful technology is like, look how fun this will be, or like even the war stuff is so rooted in what they knew and not what they could predict. And I feel like we've hit that stride where technology is is racing out of control and it's like if we can build a bomb that can level a city can we build a bomb that can level a country and the answer is probably yes and we eventually will and we'll be like why did we do this and and so i the way technology is 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 just continuing to leap and bound like every two to four years something completely crazy has come out that i didn't think we would see it it just I think the context is just really hard to predict what the future is going to hold the way they were doing it. Oh, certainly. But the other part, going back to 1910 again, these sort of ideas that are really out there, these are come up with, you know, super creative people, not like just everybody. Mm -hmm. Go to present times. We understand a lot more about like science and physics and like the limits of reality. And there's a lot of things we just haven't discovered yet and are probably beyond our comprehension. But we don't go, in the future, there'll be flying cars. It's like, in the future, you know, logistically, that's going to be hard because it's, it's like, how would you control the traffic? And there's going to be so many cars. And if you look at the population levels now and we keep rising, that it's like those are topics and information that, you know, the, the public wasn't nearly as educated back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And part of education is, like, removing of that delightful, like, childlike quality to say, maybe someone removed the planet from the Jedi archives. And you go, shut up, kid, I'm Obi-Wan, and then you slap them. <laughs> I think, too, going back to the, the hierarchy of needs thing, is, like, they didn't really have time or room for cynicism like we do now. I feel like everything that we do, there's always this, there's this wash of irony and cynicism in almost everything now, and it partly to blame is social media and the internet. But it's just like it's so it's so hard to be trusting of just like information and any of the shit that you get. And so to be like, I can't wait for the year 3000 when we were in space or whatever. It's more like, oh, man, in the year 3000, when we're in space mining asteroids and we're making the poor people live on the moon because we don't like them or all the rich people move to the moon because the Earth is a polluted mess. You know, it's like there's this but part to it that is like, how how is it going to be bad for most people? What's the what's the nefarious reason we're doing this it's not for the just the good to do it anymore like that's to me is is the problem did you watch uh tomorrowland no don't i was gonna say i heard it was bad 
but I do recommend you watch Jenny Nicholson's review of Tomorrowland. Ooh, I could do that. I like her. Um, long story short, there's this weird, like, I feel like it's so easy to take something like Tomorrowland from Disneyland, where the whole thing is about optimism of the future, and then you write a movie about it, and it's like, well, what should the theme be? Um, cynicism? (laughs) And how, like, you know, things are bad, nothing works out. That's what the theme should be. And it's like, good job, um, Hollywood. You nailed it. Did you watch your Star Wars thing? Because I didn't, because I just feel like I don't need to watch someone complain about Star Wars for an hour. Oh, um, Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, she has her own opinions, and that's fine. Um, I, we're still going to do a Rise of Skywalker show, right? Uh, yeah, we can. Do you want... Do you want to talk about the movie, or would you rather we do that creative thing where we, like, pitch ideas for a while? I feel like that's more fun. Because I feel like if I prepared it, I could I could monologue for an hour about the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, pros and cons and really dissect the whole thing. But I don't know that anyone cares, because this has been done 80,000 times by now. There's that, and... and- it's one of those movies where like people are mad about it, and I like I can admit that there's like big flaws with that movie, and it really comes down to like how much do you really give a shit, and so yeah, Jenny Nichols can can knock out an hour long video, and I'm sure it's funny and charming because she's funny and charming, but I don't really like I already know there are flaws, and I don't know if I need to watch someone be pissed at a movie just to like like I enjoyed it enough. I don't really want to like cloud my opinion of it. So part of my problem with her video, problem strong. She basically just lists her opinions of the movie and dissects, like, here, this felt like a plot hole, or this is a weird direction to take the movie in. But they're basically just opinions of one lady that watched it. Sure. And it's not that that's not valid. It's that she has some, like, really good points because she understands film really well. Like, that's what I really like about Jenny is that she can dissect the scene and actually, like, tell you what's wrong with it from an objective standpoint. Yeah. And so she'll do some of that. But then she'll get hung up on, like, a weird nitpick where I feel like, well, no, if you're paying attention, they actually explain that with this other line. Or, like, a lot of people don't like how Chewbacca was in the other transport. And I've heard a lot of people go, what other transport? And it's like, well, there were two transports. You can see them. Mm-hmm. Like, I I get that it's kind of weird that the desert's so open that they wouldn't notice the other transport sitting there. But you can't pretend that it's not there. Sure. And there's this weird thing where, like, some people really want to die on that hill. And it's like, I think you just want to be angry. I had there's the, a lot of things to be angry about, but if you're going to fight over this one, I don't know. Prometheus was the same way when that came out. People didn't like it, and they wanted to be angry at every part of the movie to the point where they were ignoring answers that were literally in the movie. Like, I remember people bitching about, like, this whole dream thing. Like, why does David have this thing? Why is he watching people's dreams? And then there's a point where he's using it to talk to Wayland, who's in stasis because he's only got like 24 hours of being awake to live and it's like oh there's a plot reason why this exists and they show him using it for a scene right like it, it the answer is literally there <laughs> that was such a frustrating movie to to enjoy when it first came out because so many people were pissed off at it and, and half of the reasoning was dumb yeah so i i think we could we could just kind of like whine for an hour or we could maybe come with our own, uh, you know, why don't we plan on doing this now? Let's set some ground rules and think about it for next week. Okay. And do that. So this is what I'm thinking, because I was already, I was thinking about this subject, not so much the answer to it. We should kind of pitch how we would write movie three. Okay. But under certain limitations. Um, Let me get my paper out. I'm going to write down these rules. I'm going to write them down in notepad because I don't want to make sound. There we go. Okay, rule one. <clears throat> Have fun. Rule two, me and you. Rule three, you and me all the way to victory. You and me. No. <laughs> me and you. Rule three, you and me all the way to victory. Rule four. <laughs> okay, so rule four. Uh, setting. The last Jedi has been released in theaters and we are told right oops right now that we are 
writing the script for the next one. Okay, so we're going to follow The Last Jedi with that. Basically, Last Jedi exists. We can't change anything about it. Okay. It is what it is. Um, Rule 5, Carrie Fisher footage must be used at least a little bit. Okay. So that Princess Leia has to be in the film. And see, that it can was... be a limited amount, but she has to be present. Okay, that's the hard part, right? Is that you could tell her scenes like they had to like puzzle piece those in. So yeah, so I'm I'm coming up with these rules based on my understanding of how this movie was actually made. Okay. Was the producer, the produ- the production team. They had a few ground rules and said, hey, here's the reality. Make a movie. Uh, rule six. Um, what was the other one? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is a rumor. This is based on nothing, but I think it'd be interesting just as a writing prompt. The title must be Rise of Skywalker. Okay. I heard a, a rumor that they, the marketing team decided that was the most marketable title. And they had to use it. Wow. I think that's silly, and that, and realistically, you could change that, because there was time to change it, so I don't believe it, but just as a fun writing prompt, you know? Oh, I'm down. Honestly, I like, I like the way Rise of Skywalker ended, and so I would, I mean, that's, I'm already thinking, like, that's something I would keep, is that Rey decides that she's a Skywalker, right? She gets to choose her destiny. She's not tied to her parents or her, you know, whatever her lineage is, she can pick it and and go on her own path. And so I'm almost thinking, well, I would end it with her being like, no, I want to continue the Skywalker thing. I've I've earned it. I feel like, not to spoil my take on it, but the title that I would have picked is um, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Dead Past. Oh, sure. And it would have been the same themes... But it would have had this like foreboding, like, oh man, is this going to be like spooky? Is this going to be dark? But then the reality is that the dead past is like the force ghosts that show up and inspire the future. Yeah. You know, but hey, whatever, that's a, that's for next week. Okay, rule seven. Um, merch and Rose action figures did not go well. Budget reduced... Because of low expectation of toy sales. I want to write this with the assumption that it will look worse than Last Jedi visually. Like we have a lower special effects budget. We can't hire whatever actor we want. It has to be like a smaller movie that acts as a big conclusion. Okay. I don't know if Do you we think got these that, rules though, sound fun. We? What? I don't know if we got that. That movie looked pretty fucking expensive when I watched it. I well I I this is a this is a weird thing. Apparently this movie made like a billion dollars and that was below what they were expecting in return. Oh wow. Like it underperformed. Imagine making a billion they, dollars and your stake shareholders are like you underperformed. I well that's what happened with Tomb Raider. Did you see the like like Square Enix bought Tomb Raider and then they did this like massive reboot and it's like interesting and cool and people are talking about it. And then it it didn't make Call of Duty money. And they're like, you told us American love lady with gun. <laughs> we want five billion dollars. <laughs> and then they said, sir, sir, your Japanese accent is not going to go over with Japanese investors. It's like, me, Saki, Saki. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the rules or you got a couple more? No, this will be it. So have fun. Me and you. You and me all the way to victory. Uh, Last Jedi is real. Carrie Fisher is dead. Rise of Skywalker title. Um, Rose action figures did not sell well. Okay, we can work. So with we can that. reflect on this, and I I think next week we'll have some fun stuff to to spitball. I I might actually try to put forethought into this, but its opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad, so don't hold me to it. I'm going to put a lot of thought into it and save my working text file on my break at work. And then forget to bring it home and go, I forgot it at work. Uh, Meet Cookie. We're good people. We're not, but we're, we're amusing to some people. Do we you, are amusing to some people. Do you want to end with a glad space? I do. Do you have a glad space? Fuck, I don't really. I do. So, 
Um, what's the one characteristic you would say about me? Like that I like or that I would define you as? Define me as. What's the, what is what makes me Cameron? Um I want to say it's like your I like your your storytelling abilities. Like they're weird, but I, I it's just how you approach storytelling is 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 something I associate with you. And part of it is cuz you're like the dungeon master, right? But you tend so, to go the, in interesting directions. So that's the wrong answer. What's the right answer? I don't like music, and I have bad taste in music. Oh, yeah, there's that. So, um, I hate some some of these podcast networks. They'll have, like, here's a new episode, and you download it, and it's like, hey, guys, it's me, the guy you like to listen to. This isn't my show. Here's a preview of a new show on the network. You just downloaded it by accident. We tricked you. Um, do you ever get those? No. Okay, I guess I guess I listen to more douchey podcast networks than you do. Um, so I got tricked into downloading a music podcast. Oh, uh, it be it's super. This is not my kind of music. It's not my genre. But they do a very serious and thorough deep dive into history, and I feel like that's normally applied to things like jazz and classical, and even like I want to say. Uh, more recently, like rock, you know. Yeah, but this one, this delightful couple, husband and wife, they uh, they they share a passion for music and especially this genre. They're doing a whole season where they research the history, the origins, the inspirations, um, but also the subgenres and the more interesting quirks of punk music. Oh, interesting! Very interesting. Um, they dive into some really cool stories about just not just a it's it's like a time capsule of what music used to be like i mean a lot of people kind of take it for you know for granted now you can go to soundcloud and like find an indie artist it used to be you had to listen to them playing in their garage sure you had to chance into it there's a lot of like really talented artists that never got you know off the ground just because the system was like it's so costly to print records that someone had to invest in you, you know? And now it's like, no, just download it for free. Who cares? So it's really, it's been fun to go back and look at like, man, the punk scene almost didn't happen if this one guy didn't take a chance. And, oh, this one guy brought all sorts of stuff to it. It gets really deep. Um, You know, uh, what's that guy's name? Iggy something? Uh, Iggy Pop, Iggy Azalea, Iggy... I that punk know. guy. Um, Iggy Punk Rocker. Is it Iggy Pop? Maybe. Uh yeah. Is that it? Sure. Um, so did you know uh his dick was so big that when he was in middle school, the other boys would tease him in the locker room and like drag him around by it. No. So you could learn this and other facts if you listen to this exciting new podcast. Called No Dogs in Space. That's a cool name for a podcast. Yeah, if it's hard to remember, just go to the last podcast network. Because they're pushing it pretty well there, so you'll find it easier. But No Dogs in Space. Um, This first episode is actually two hours long, so I'm like, I'm halfway through it. And I'm looking forward to my lunch break today, or tomorrow, I guess. Um, Just to finish it off, because it was just, it's so, uh, they take you on a journey. And it's super fascinating stuff, just from a historical standpoint. Again, I don't even like punk music that much, but I can appreciate, you know, what's going on and the the cultural value of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's presented so well. So, No Dogs in Space. Check that out. That sounds like a good one. Um, I'm scrolling through YouTube to see if I had found anything fun this week to to just be my lazy-ass glad space. And the only thing that keeps showing up as I scroll around a lot is the Cats original soundtrack. because Oh, you know, that's good. I've been listening to some of the songs from that. Mostly the McCavity one, because that's the one I'm trying to do a cover of. Uh, but also, just like some of the others, I was like, you know what? I think I remembered liking this one. Let's try it again. Like, Skimbleshanks the Railway Cat is a delightfully fucking dumb song. I, he's the cat on the railway train. So, I've, I've, I've had more enjoyment out of this than I realistically should uh but i listened to a a couple of them today and i was just like you know 
this is so stupid, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. It, it is a, a, at least a very fun kind of stupid, and I, I think they did a good job with the songs on the whole. I really like the beautiful ghost one, the, the new one, and, and so yeah, if, if, if that, that's my glad space, I've, I've been having fun with the cat soundtrack. Oh, I have one more that's less fun. Um, I saw Underwater. I heard that was a pretty decent movie. It's fun. I want to compare it to Cloverfield, like, in terms of quality. Okay. But I actually, I think I enjoyed it more than Cloverfield. A small part of the enjoyment comes from the fact that it was, like, Underwater Space Station 13. Oh. Because, like, stuff went wrong. It's like, oh, great. Can you believe it? And then, oh, no, my suit's going to explode. He's like, oh, of course it is. And it was, I'm just sitting back going like, man, I'm enjoying this movie, but only because they're in pressurized suits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yay. Uh, you know what? I feel good. I love, I love doing this show with you. I was sick last week, and I realized the worst part of it was just not doing this show. I like doing this show, too. I feel like we're very good at having random conversations. I like our friendship. I don't know if the show is good, but I value our time. I do too. Yay. Even if we disagree on things sometimes, but that's okay. Well, you can't spell disagree without agree. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.